Happy Monday, guys. What's going on? My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Anarelli. This is the 52 Podcast. 52 weeks, 52 books, making every week count. For those of you new to the channel, thank you so much for joining us today. What Ross and I do here is we read lots of books and we talk about lots of different business stuff. This is the upcoming business podcast to watch if you guys are interested in marketing and um, overall business, finance, personal development. We are doing all of that, okay? Uh, for those that are back on the channel with us, thank you so much for supporting and joining us again. Uh, this week's book, this is episode 16, and this week we read Warren Claff's Pitch Anything, okay? It was really awesome, and I'm super excited to get into that. But first, the news. Ross, set us up. What are we talking about? So today we're talking about how a lot of these influencers, especially in China, are starting to do live product demos mm -hmm. online. So instead, I used to see people on YouTube they would do their product demo, post it online. Unboxing videos have become incredibly popular over the last few years. Now people are doing that experience completely live, um, which gives you a kind of different access into what the product could be or the actual reaction. A little bit harder to fake it or plan it. Um, so you get some pluses and minuses with that. I would say the minuses, your shots may not be as well set up. Um, a lot of things like MK, MKBHD does a lot of like beautiful unboxing videos. So you're going to lose a little bit in quality, but I think the instant gratification you can get from some of these live streaming videos are going to be really cool to see. And it's funny that this just so happens to be in the news now because I feel like it's been in the market for a while. Like I don't know if you guys have seen these oyster shucking videos where they're shucking oysters and you buy a set number of oysters for the person to shuck in front of you on live camera. And then if those oysters that you shuck right are have uh, any sort of um, value to them or pearls in them or whatever it may be, they actually send them directly to you. So this is something that we've seen within the market, but it's cool uh, that it's coming to light because it's now going to actually be having to do with clothing, having to do with electronics, having to do with all sorts of different items and options that you can sell via live. And I think it's really quite cool, actually. I yeah. think it's something that's um, rather innovative. It's like an infomercial. It's like what our parents used to uh, used to buy things on the t on tel off television over the phone. They'd send it directly to their houses. Same concept, but moving into the 21st century where we have all of these outlets uh, to be able to live stream like Instagram, Facebook, and of course all of the Chinese products that are available that we don't have here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really a cool way to get your consumer interacting with you and the products that they're purchasing. So I just think it's extremely clever. I mean, is it something that you would use, do you think, Ross? You know, it's one of those things I think I would, especially depending on what it is. I just haven't watched too many of these things happen live, and I guess a lot of that is timing. You know, a lot of what I watch when it comes to product reviews is kind of YouTube-based. And I think when I always think of companies like that, I think of Casper, the mattress company. I mean, they really didn't do any advertising when it first started. They made a lot of their initial sales and went pretty viral because people were getting a box, you know, it says Casper on it, and if you don't know, it's a mattress company. They're opening it up and putting these mattresses on their bed and talking about them. So the fact that their product was a little bit more unique got people online to start making these unboxing videos and bringing, you know, that product to light, essentially. So interesting to think that, you know, do you, are they streaming it just at a certain time, or is it just going how I'm imagining it, where someone's going live on, like, Instagram, and then you can just click it and you see a product. Oh, I like this product, and just continue watching. So... Timing gets a little uh, interesting, but I think this is probably the natural progression for where we're going with, sure. with marketing and product. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's also interesting because if you look at the live setup, the way that lives work is you really have to have like a really strong following mm -hmm. in order to be able to achieve that conversion through live. So, you know, I think that this is something that's going to be a tool for some of the 
influencers and, um, and, and marketers that have significant influence already. It's something that, uh, that is a future forward for those that are building uh, a following or are looking to you know, build a company where they're selling products because you do have to have a large following that is willing to jump on your live and actually pay attention to what you're doing. So I think that it's an interesting kick for those that already have the following and want to do something different than everyone else. Um, but I think that you have to build up to it. Yeah, and also too, if you were going to start, I think the fact that if you can get good at doing, you know, Instagram Live and things like that, you can build the following quicker as well because it comes off as uh, like less generic, a little bit more authentic. Mm. So I think if you can get good at that early, it's going to help you grow your brand, um, and then also if you're established as well, I think it's going to give you some more credibility too. It makes total sense. I'm totally with you on that. So guys, keep uh, keep an eye out for your favorite influencers and your favorite products. They're doing infomercials and uh, all sorts of fun different demonstrations on live. If you guys are consumers on Instagram uh, or Facebook, which obviously, as you guys know, as you're scrolling, there's going to be different pop-ups and ads mm -hmm. for different items that are being sold. Don't be surprised if people are sponsoring their live videos. I don't even know if that's possible, but personally, that's what I would be doing if that's the case. If it was available to everybody and you could sponsor that. You know, I would definitely consider doing that because it creates, like you said, that authentic reaction with your consumers. Um, so I would just say, viewers, keep an eye out uh, for changes in that way of creating conversions with you know some of the influencers that you really like to follow. Uh, I think that it's going to be a trend in the future. Yeah, okay. I really do. Um, Ross, anything else we can talk about on that? I think we can kind of give give it the rundown. That's pretty much it. I think like you just touched about. I think a lot of people are going to start to be sponsoring. Um, the same way that you saw on Instagram stories, people are doing large sponsorship and brand deals. Sure. I think it's going to be the next progression that's going to be their live thing will be sponsored as well. So there it is live television for everybody from everybody. Mm -hmm. It'll be fun stuff. So guys, let's talk about the book a little, let's kind of take a little shift. Uh, we were just talking about social media. We're going to move into pitching. Now pitching is a, is a tool that you can use really anywhere. I mean, you can pitch yourself at a grocery store for God's sake. So the, the the idea of being able to pitch anything at any time is really, really a sexy one for anyone that's in the business world. I know me, I'm, I'm a sales guy by trade. That's what I've always done my entire life and that's what I'm really, really good at. And um, this book, Pitch Anything by Orrin Claff, gave me a lot of insight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really, really specifically broad in a weird way, like specifically broad, right? It's such a weird contradiction, yeah. right? But it was uh, it was broad in the sense of it can fit any situation in which you are pitching and looking to create an emotion with an audience or target, but specified because it gave you the step-by-step, -step, the psychology, the background, and every single piece that you need to know to fully understand the language, the psychology, and the method. So I thought it was really, really massive. I thought it was probably the best sales book I have ever written and I've uh, read. read. Well, you wrote I've written a couple of these. Yeah, you know, hey, not yet, guys. We'll get there. I'm working on it. But I've read a couple sales books, quite a few sales books because it's my trade. And I think that of the list of sales books that I've read, this was by far my favorite. Mm -hmm. What do you think? You know, I really liked it as well because... You know, Moore and I are very good in sales because we pride ourselves on not being that generic salesman. You know, that sure. you know, incredibly pushy, kind of back you in a corner and get you to buy something. Absolutely. And this book really takes you down that road. It really tries to get you in the mind of, of who you're working with. And he more just gives you uh, access to a bunch of different tools. It's like get, opening up a toolbox and he's just telling you how each one of these you know tools can be used specifically and when the best time would be. But he gives you, like you said, uh, enough to where... 
you can kind of take it and decide when and where and how you want to use these in your life. Sure. And like I said, these can be used anywhere from actually pitching a deal, closing a sale. Uh, if you're trying to get a new job, when you're getting an interview, 100%. this is going to be incredibly strong as well. Absolutely. Just about all of these, and we're going to talk about framing, which is, what I think, a phenomenal way to think Absolutely. of it. Um, but this is really powerful. Let's get into Let's get into There's three sections in this book. We're not going to go chapter by chapter because we want you to read it. It's really, really beneficial, but we are going to go section by section. Uh, three sections. First section is the problem. Second section is the strong method, and, or excuse me, the, the solution. And the third section is the benefit. So let's start with the first section of why this book is going to help you. Why did he, why did Orrin Claff write this book? What is your brain doing during a pitch? What's your brain doing while you're preparing for a pitch? Um, so in section one, what's really gone over and what you really get to understand is that people have a short attention span. Okay. People want to be intrigued and people are going to give you as much adversary in a pitch as possible. Mm -hmm. So this book can help you because it will give you a foundation and a method that will allow you to overcome different frames, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, different frames from other people that are adverse to yours with other frames. Mm -hmm. So that might sound a little confusing, okay, guys? But we'll get there very shortly. Um, so remember, when it comes to pitching, shorter is better. Keep it concise. Create emotion, right? And this book is going to show you how. So section one is all about the reason why and the setup for the foundation. Did I say that's about right? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, as we move into... Uh, the next section, which is going to be the solution, right? This is where he starts to really talk about framing and starts to talk about different tools that are available to you, like hot cognition and et cetera, et cetera, that will provide you with massive value. So let's kind of explain frames. You want to explain frames? Well, we should probably talk about, going back just a tad, talking about crock brain and, and the different things yes, like that. I think 100%. that's probably a good one to start with. Shh, absolutely. So being that uh, Ross brought that up, let's talk about that. Different sections of, the, of your brain, right? You have the neocortex, you have the crock brain, which is the, the, the more lizard brain part of your brain. And I think there's one more portion of the brain that we, he was talking about. Pretty right? much what he's working at is, is, like I said, there's different levels of cognition that like you sure. were talking about. And the croc brain is really where this entire book is kind of speaking to, which, like you said, is, is the lizard brain, which is, you know, brings on that fight or flight. If, if you're scared, you get a certain reaction. If you're excited, a certain reaction. The very kind of basic and primal um, thing. So that's what he's saying in this book is when you're pitching somebody, you know, you want a little intrigue or you want to have a little push and pull. The whole thing is pretty much a dance, a lot of push and pull, because without that adversity, your brain isn't even triggering a good response. You know, you can sit there and be nice and, you know, he used an example of going to a meeting and someone being the the receptionist being like, "Oh, he's going to be 15 minutes late," and someone just being like, "Okay, that's uh, that's fine. I'll sit here." And then 15 minutes go by. Oh, he's going to be a little bit longer. Also, you know, he's not showing up. He's going to send his assistant. And instead of saying, "Okay, that's fine," to start to show that no, this is not okay. This I need to be able to, you know, my time is worth something. I am worth something. Um, and that you know, that will create a response in that person of, oh, like, I actually need to take the time to meet with this person. This person does mean business. This guy is serious versus, you know, discrediting yourself. So you're playing to a lot of those basic, you know, primal emotions. Sure. And moreover, with the lizard braid and the neocortex, right, uh, what Ross was going over is say, yeah, you want to stay in that lizard braid. And the reason why you want to stay in that lizard brain is because the second that you get into uh, the neocortex, now you're getting into analysis paralysis, right? So, like... You're creating in a pitch, you want to create 
an emotion for people to want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And the second that you start to get into that neocortex, you start to throw all the the financials and all the data and all the numbers, not only are you going to bore the living crap out of them, and chances are your pitch is going to take way too long, but you're also going to move those people from their lizard brain, their fight or flight reaction, their fear, their emotion. The, 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 the emotions that are being drawn in their head come from that place. They're moving them into the neocortex, which is where all the critical thinking comes from. Yeah, the higher level thinking. Exactly. So what that does is that actually puts your uh, target into a position of analysis paralysis where they are starting to run through all these analytical things in their brain. And what Warren tells us is that you know, when you're pitching, that analysis brain is your biggest enemy mm -hmm. because that analysis brain is the, the, the portion of the brain that's going to poke holes at your argument, right? So if you keep your audience in their lizard brain, in the, your emotion, right, in, in, the, in the emotion of what you're trying to create, in the impact, then you'll have a better chance of getting to the next level where you can then start to work on uh, the financials and the specifics on the analytical side after you've already created a good relationship with that person and you've created a position for you to be in uh, a winning spot to take on that business or take on that pitch or do whatever it is that you are pitching that person on. So um, keep your people in the lizard brain. It's better off. Okay. Um, so now we'll move into the solution, which is kind of the, the basics, right? Yeah. So first portion is the talking about setting and owning your frame. So like Ross was saying, the example of the receptionist, um, saying that, Hey, you know, the person is not available, et cetera, et cetera. What that is, is that receptionist is using a power frame against the other person, against you pitching right now from what we understand from Oren, the power frame is actually very feeble. It's very easy to poke holes into. And the easiest way to poke holes into the power frame is to come in with an intrigue frame. And what that means is to, to overcome that with uh, the intrigue of a beautiful idea and happy emotions and et cetera, et cetera. So let's go back to framing, right? A frame is the way in which you want your audience to perceive you. It is, in theory, um, an act or a show that you're putting on, mm -hmm. right? But that's authentic. So it's, it's manipulating the psychology of the brain to create an alpha position for you as the pitcher. Because every time that you go into a buyer or someone that's going to come, they are, they are currently holding the alpha position. As the pitcher, you want to overtake that alpha position to show that you have the right stuff to be in the right place at the right time to make that business happen. Yeah, and a good example, like when we talk about framing, those are the kind of the tools in the toolbox that we were talking about. But like how we said, it's not really manipulating the person or anything like a lot of sales books try to get sure. you. It's manipulating the situation and the dynamic. Absolutely. So you gave an example of you met up with another investor, and when he got there, the guy was using another power frame and a time frame saying, hey, the jet cannot stay here all day. You know, we need to start to make this quicker. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, you're right, he responded with, you make a lot of money. I've made you enough deals. This jet can stay out there all day, the every day. It's going to be okay. Let's get this. You know what I mean? So he was able to kind of give him a little jab back to be able to say, like, no. like." And that was the timing this. frame. So yeah. I think let's also designate that because that was the timing frame, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different frames, guys, right? There's the, the, and the, the four main ones that he talks about, I believe, are the moral frame, mm -hmm. the intrigue frame, the power frame, and the, timing. and the timing frame. Those are the big four ones that he uses that are like his number one, okay? So what Ross just described is the timing frame. And everyone has been in this situation where there's a deal on the line and your salesperson is like, you know, 
hey, you need to get this done right now or this deal's not going to be here tomorrow. That's a timing frame. That's that's framing the situation to say, oh, I need to make it make a choice. And a simple right response now. when that person replies back, look, we both know this car's still going to be here. If not, it wasn't meant to happen. I didn't talk about people, cars, but that's okay. I know, but people <laughs> don't realize that if, if you if you bought a car before, you're using another framing to counter that one. Because sure. You're not calling as well. You're just saying, come on, we both know this is still going to be here, and it disarmed that immediate response. Of, it takes of the time. It takes the, the it, it completely dismantles and overlooks the mm-hmm. the, the timing frame. So let's go back into it and kind of get an overall of t- frames and how they work. Frames are going to give you an opportunity to create an experience in your target. Whether it's coming from morality, whether it's coming from intrigue, whether it's coming from power, whether it's coming from timing, all four of those frames are going to create positive reactions for you as the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Right? And everyone has frames, right? It's very easy for a frame to be deframed by another person's frame. So this is a constant collision of frames. Pitching is a constant collision of frames, right? Because you're going to have the pitching side's frame and you're going to have the buyer side's frame, right? And this is the battle, the game that you play psychologically to be the best pitcher. And that's the thing with going through this book, you know, if you're able to, you know, a lot of the books that we've read, especially when it comes to business, is kind of being self-aware. To be sure. able to understand People are using these quote-unquote frames without knowing it in their daily sure, life. Sure, absolutely. But if you can identify them and you know how to counter them, you're going to see huge victories in your life because it's going to put you in a stronger place to succeed where your competitors or your colleagues aren't going to have that ability. So being able to really go through it and, and kind of take them one by one, I think is very strong. Because what you learn is uh, in the book, he does he talks about them all separately and then he talks about stacking them. So let's think of these as combos, essentially. He's able to put one, then the other, then the other. So he starts with maybe a power frame and then timing frame and then hits him with an intrigue frame. And, and then you finishes can, all off with a moral frame. Yeah, so you, he can really, you know, he's a master at that point. He can pitch anything if the book, book calls. So he can really kind of play on these and, and start to pick and choose. So I think if you're able to read this book and you really like it, you know, for me, I think this is something that I'm going to read again because I think it can be used almost universally. You know, and I think the idea of frames at first is, is a little confusing. And I think, I hope that we're getting the point across pretty strongly on them. Um, but it is. It's something to where, like you said, normal sales books are always be closing. You know, hammer, 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 follow up. This is not that at, not all. at all. This is completely different. The, to me, this is a higher level of, of selling in a whole different way. Instead of just doing the generics, you're walking in. If you can do this being like, I can sell something to anybody. And they're going to love it. If it's you can master even, this, absolutely. If you can master anything. this method, you can literally... The, you can the size of deals that you'd be able to close is exponentially greater with, with this method. And it's crazy because he was actually talking about how he is not a natural. The first thing that came out of his mouth in this book was, I'm not a natural, guys. I just created a system that really, really works. And now I'm doing 10 billion dollar deals. And this is why he talks about the crock brain. And one thing he talked about was the thing that he learned is, Everyone has the same crop brain. We all evolved from the same area, the same you know, the same species. Everyone's got the same crop brain. So he's like, it doesn't matter if I'm pitching to someone in California, in New York, you know, in different countries. Everyone has the same basic fight or flight, same crop brain. So this can be used universally. And I think that's one of the more powerful things because, you know, one thing he, he takes away is he used to talk about um, small talk. So a lot of people, when they get there, they like to try to make some jokes, have some small talk. This is something that I've always used. 100%. We've always been told that this is the best way. And he's like, this is not what you want to do. They don't care. They're not getting down to the nitty gritty. You know, you're wanting to be able to get yourself in the alpha position if you talk alpha beta a lot. Um, 
But just a lot of the stuff that we think works, he's like, I'm telling you, it does not work. And he's got a lot of science stuff to really back it and up. And I think that one of the biggest things that he says, and, and, and Framing does such a good job of being able to keep you away from this, is coming off desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, coming off like you need something is the devil. Like that is the last thing that you want to do when you're pitching mm-hmm. is to come from a place of beta. It's called a beta trap. Mm-hmm. You set a beta trap to say, hey, you know, reach out to us and let us know what's going on. We'd love to work with you. No. What that creates is you chasing them. Mm-hmm. Find a way for you to dangle the carrot in front of them and bring them to you. You know what I thought? I'm going to continue giving the examples because you're explaining everything incredibly well. So I think this is a good mix for today. Let's do it. A great one was that he went to go adopt a rescue dog. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. This, this is was, ridiculous. This is a beautiful example of how, you know, this alpha beta, how they're, they're shifting in power. So um, in the book, he went to go adopt a rescue dog. And he's like, this is perfect. I'm coming in as the savior. You know, I'm going to come in. He's the prize in this one. Which puppy gets to come home with me? You know, I'm, this this dog is going to get free food, free health care for life. This dog is going to be lucky to have me. And he goes through and he, he picks it up. He's like, I like that dog. And instead of just picking it up, the lady who works there was like, wait, wait, wait. I have to ask you a few questions. And mind you, the lady was a 23-year-old girl with yeah. pink highlights in her hair. Yeah. So, and you know. And this, this is a grown-ass man that does billion-dollar deals. So... You know, he's, he's sitting there and she's like, you know, I need to know your job. I need to know your living situation. What do you, what do you do for, you know, your career? What are you going to do when you're at work? Who's going to take care of the dog? You know, all these different questions, one, two, three. And he's like, whoa, like she really switched the dynamic. Cause now it went from, I can get any dog to, what do you mean? What do you mean? I can't have this now. Now you want it a little bit more. And then at the end, she asked him all the questions. He's like, all right, like, can I, am I good to go? She's like, oh no, we're going to call you um, and let you know if, if you qualify. Yeah, and he's like, who is more qualified than me? So that's kind of the whole thing where he walked in, you know, this guy closes billion-dollar deals, multi-million-dollar deals. You know, he's clearly a good guy. He's going to take great care of this dog. But now he's in a spot where she has the power. This young girl with pink highlights now has more power than him. It completely switched because now he's hoping for that approval, begging for that approval in a way that, completely flipped what he thought the scenario would be. 100%. And it's actually funny because you bring up another frame that we we didn't happen to talk about. There's maybe a fifth of, of the bunch that he likes There's to use, which is the prize frame. right? So Ross just mentioned the prize frame. The prize frame is that idea of you get to work with me. This is the only deal that you get me in the deal. So how are you guys going to show me that you guys are good for me to be in this deal with you guys? Mm-hmm. So she used the prize frame. She said, hey, if you want this dog, you got to go through me. Mm-hmm. you got to qualify with me. This is the prize. I'm going to hold the prize hostage because if you don't go through me, you don't get the prize. Mm-hmm. So that's also really another, uh, another really, really powerful, um, powerful, powerful tool that you can use to be able to drive and withdraw from that last, that final moment when most people chase that's your opportunity to withdraw, which yeah, is something that was really important. And he uses well. this when you know when you're when you're giving a pitch, you know, at the very end, instead of asking and, and trying to feel, you know, oh please, you know, will you give saying, you know, I want to know this X, Y, and Z. What's the largest deal you've done? Start to qualify that other person. What's the largest deal you've done? Have you done similar deals to this? Um, I have to. We have to go through your due diligence. We're going to give you a, a call back. I think this is going to be a good fit for us to work with you as well. So now instead of you know. The other side thinking, oh, like it's our decision completely. Now you kind of put them in, a, in the same thing, a little bit of an intrigue, a little bit of a different place. Uh, but very interesting to see. I think this can actually be very powerful um, when looking for a job. 
Hundred percent. I think I'm, this is. I think this 100%. is going to be incredibly powerful because instead of normally ending it with, "Oh, like you know, we're going to go through and give you a call," I think you could really end those calls with, "Look, I've told you a lot about me." They always say, you know, in an interview, ask questions, right? right? I think instead of asking the normal, like you know, how's the company culture, things like that, those are things that I normally ask. And I think it'd be important now to to almost end it with, you know, you've you've learned a lot about me. Um, I have a few questions for you, and then at the end, be like, "Look, I need to." go through my list and see if this is going to be a good fit for, for both of us. I have a lot of criteria when looking at a company, you know, what do you, you think is the biggest reason that, that someone like me would be a great fit at this company? Um, why should I look here instead of looking elsewhere? And all of a sudden, you know, you might've felt that as I was saying it, but something changes a little bit. The dynamic has shifted to Absolutely. where now, instead of, you know, you're looking for this guy's approval, this guy's almost trying to get your, yeah, you're he's going, trying he's to surprise because he's in a company where, you know, he probably goes there every day. You know, he lives, breathes, sweats this out. There needs to be a little pride. You just hit, you know, right into the heart of why should I work there? Like, what do you mean? Why should you work there? This is a great company. You would do great here. Why? Well, you know, you can set you up for success in the future. Now this guy is pitching you, and all you did was just say a few simple things. Absolutely. You didn't insult him. You just hit him with something that's different than what I'm telling you. Ninety percent of the people are going to do in these interviews. And all you need, especially if it's a phone interview there, is to get to the next step. Get a little bit farther in the process. And if you keep doing these, you already saw the 90% of the people aren't doing this. At the next level, same thing. So now instead of fighting off 20 people, you're fighting off 10 people and then five people. So the majority of these people have no clue. So when you have five people left, you are the only one with these tactics. Sure, absolutely. So your chance of success is incredibly high. 100%. And I think it's that you really framed up that uh, the, the prize frame really well, right? Because it's like one of those things where we are so accustomed to chasing business or to chasing an opportunity or to chase and chase and chase and chase. And as we chase, people start running. People start you know, getting further away. So when you withdraw, and this was a really important part of the last portion of his book, and I'll kind of bring it in early and we'll talk about it a little later, but withdrawing at the end where your competition thinks that you're going to go for the, for the jab, you withdraw. And you could come back, bring it back in and say, hey, you know, now this is now, now that I've showed you what I'm all about, I'm going to hold my cards closed. What are you all about? Yeah. I think I think it's inc- it's gonna be incredibly powerful. Absolutely. I think that's one of the the biggest takeaways is just to finish it different. In the way that I, I would say, you think of this is think of it like we go back to the interview example. How many times have you walked out of an interview or done a fun interview and been like, killed it, bro? Mm-hmm. Absolutely killed mm-hmm. it. Ten out of ten. She loved me. She was smiling. She was laughing. And then you get no callback. Mm. Yeah, no it call. happens. Happens. And you're thinking, there's no way I, I killed it. That was that was the best. I was ten out of ten. Because you didn't hit part of that croc brain that mattered. You didn't get that intrigue. You were out here trying to sell yourself where you didn't have them give them any moment to try to make them sell you. Why should I come to work for your company? Why should I drive an hour in traffic to get to your headquarters to work there for eight hours? I got to drive an hour back. It's a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of gas. There's a lot of other jobs that I can do. Why should I come here? And then you just flip the script on them. And I think that's what he does so well in this is he appeals to a lot more of a natural human side than trying to be a people pleaser. Absolutely. So let's. So we've we've got into the end of the pitch. Let's reel it back in at the beginning and mm-hmm. the the story portion of the, of the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing that he makes really really clear is that the majority of people when they're pitching 
are they use all of these analytics and data and data and analytics and just it's just constant numbers and it's boredom. Mm -hmm. You sit there for an hour and you're just bored. So number one, with telling the story, keep your story short. For God's sake, people, nobody has the time and or the attention span to sit for an hour through all your financial stuff. They just don't. Okay? First meeting, first initial pitch, you got 20 minutes. 20 minutes is all the time that you have before people start losing their minds and going into la-la land. So hit them hard in that 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And don't hit them with data, data analytics. Because instead, if you hit them with data analytics, you're just going to take them from that crock brain up to their neocortex, and then it's all over. It's all over because they're just going to start poking holes in whatever you have. And now you're on the defense. Now you're framed up to lose because they're coming with the analytical frame, and you're not busting it. And the way to bust an analytical frame, a power frame in the analytical frame, is through intrigue and storytelling. Mm -hmm. Okay? So if you want to create an emotion with an analytical person, you tell a story. You tell a story about humanity, about people. Re bring, bring whatever it is you're pitching back down to earth yep. and give us an idea of what humanity is going to get out of this deal. Because without emotion, you have no pitch. I mean, you can use examples like if you're trying to start a, a bicycle company. You know, don't talk about, you know, obviously it all matters, but the cost of making a bike and what you're going to sell it for and all that, those will come into play. But maybe you start with a story. Maybe, you know, the reason you got into it was as a kid, you know, you, you never had a bike and you finally got one and someone stole it. And you weren't able to, you know, get enough money to buy a brand new one. So you learned how to make a bike. Like automatically off the bat, you're starting to get some emotion from this person. They're able to picture it. And now they're listening. Now they're intrigued. So then now you got their attention instead of just starting with numbers. You want to get that attention and hold it as long as possible. Absolutely. And it will keep fleeting. We all have short attention spans. So what he's talking about is using, like I said, those different framings. If the guy says, I only have 15 minutes for this, you know, this, this uh, meeting, be like, look, me and my team spent a lot of money. We flew out here um, from Los Angeles. You know, you promised us 30 minutes. We need the 30 minutes. It's going to, you know, you're not going to be disappointed. Something to be able to counter back to not be like, oh, oh 15 minutes? Oh, wait, we um, wait. No. If someone's going to do business with you, they want to know that you're strong. Absolutely. 100%. They want to know that you're going to hold your own, and when something go hits the fan, you're going to find a way to make it work, right? If someone's going to invest in you, they want to know that when it hits the fan, because it will, that you're going to have the tools that you need to make sure that you are going to be productive with the money that you have from the investors or whatever it is that you're pitched that you're working with here. When people invest in people, you know, people Absolutely. invest in teams. Absolutely. You know, the money, the problems and, and all the analytics can always be tweaked. You know, whoever you're pitching to probably has more experience in that. And it's that always area. the same, right? It's always, always the same. It's, it's always the same analytics, right? You're always going to, every startup or every company that pitches, and we had the same thing. We did the same thing and made that same juvenile mistake. But, you know, the hockey stick to the right, up and to the right graph that shows crazy at. numbers that are like ideal circumstances. And Oren, one of the biggest things that he says is that is going to hurt you. Do not, you know, over-exaggerate. Don't give them the normal curve that everybody is looking for. Show them what you're going to do with your budget. That's what they really want to see. They want to see that you have a high level of budgeting skill. Because they know that things go wrong. They understand that nothing's going to be a hockey stick curve up and to the right. It's just not going to happen, right? So what they want to know is that you have the skills to manage the money, to put it in the right place, and to get the most out of the project at all times. So 
go with the story. Don't go with the analytics. And the analytics that you do bring on, make them relevant. Make them about budgeting. Make them about your talents as financial people to handle the money that's coming in. Don't give people these random numbers that are all made up because any, any lackey can put together a graph. Okay, guys? Um, and you only have 20 minutes, so why waste all that time on a graph? Mm -hmm. Why waste five minutes on, on the, the small talk at the beginning? Yep. Get right into it. Tell your story. Absolutely. The easiest way to bust a power uh, power uh, frame is to come in with intrigue and to be stand your ground. Be the alpha. So these guys don't care on the other side of the table how nice you are. It doesn't matter. What matters is are you going to be the best person for the job? And with that also comes offering the, pri the prize, which is something that we already talked about. And we're just going to kind of go over it really quickly, right? If you do all of these things right, if you tell the story, if you frame yourself up to win, if you are the alpha in the position, right? At the end, you pull it away. You pull it back. Withdraw. Create a prize. You are the prize. Because you, the only way that they can work with you is if you do this deal with me right now. So don't forget that you're worth it. Don't forget to withdraw. Don't forget to show that you are the right person for the job. And there, there's a great example in the third section of the book, which goes over a wonderful, wonderful example of a deal that he talks about, that we're going to talk about in a minute. But remember that you're the prize, right? And, and then the last real big portion of, uh, of this is um, nailing the hook point. Mm -hmm. So, Rush, you want to talk about hook point? Yeah, so it's, it's, it kind of goes right off of, of the prize. You know, right when you get them to a certain spot, like you said, you just yank it back. So all it's doing is now, like I said, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where instead of begging for it or anything like that, you're kind of saying, hey, look, you know, I have some questions for you. Let's go with, with this and, and that and then try to figure out if I think I'm going to be a good fit for you as well, if you're going to be a good fit for me. Because just like how they have to make a decision, you're saying, hey, I also need to make a decision. Absolutely. This is my company or whatever you may be selling. I'm not just going to work with anybody. I took this meeting because... Just like you, I think that you'd be a great fit for this. You're trying to see if I'm a good fit, Absolutely. but we both have a decision to make here. And that's something that people forget. You know, if you're going to, to pitch a business, you know, not only are you saying, hey, you know, we need money, we need this and that, but you're also understanding that you would like to work with that person. Absolutely. If you're in a certain industry, you should try to find someone that's also in that industry that has a lot of experience. Now, on the other side, you're saying, you know what, you can meet somebody and he can say, honestly, I love your product. I want to give you half a million dollars. But your gut could tell you, honestly, this guy's an asshole. Like, I do not like this person. I don't want to work with him. I don't like how he treated his employee that walked by um, right before the meeting started. And you could say, you know what? Thank you very much, but I need, to, I need to do some more thinking. And you can decline that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, if you decline him, if he says, I'll give you half a million dollars, and you say no, that's probably going to really switch it where he says, look, like, I don't understand why. Why would you not want to work with someone like me? Honestly, I didn't really like how you were treating your employee right there. And he like, that was a one-off example. It's been a hard day. I apologize. I, I can Now, completely switch. Yeah, flip the table to turn. You know what? It's, I don't want to work. Now they're begging okay. to give you money. I'll give you $700,000 set of five. Right. Let's, let's do this. I love the product. And you might have just gained $200,000 simply because you were stronger and you had a better understanding of framing. Of framing. You know, and that's when the, even this guy who could be a million-dollar investor all day doesn't know framing. I don't know how many people at the super high level understand framing. To be, to be I've never been taught honest. this. I've, never, I've been in sales for 10 years. I've never been taught this. So I think if you can get this down, and this is a book that I would highly recommend reading again, it's one of those where 
Um, like, I don't like to watch movies twice because I know what happens. But with this, I think because you would already have an understanding of the frames, you sure. can say that is why he used this one Absolutely. at that time against this person or with this person, I should say. So incredibly, incredibly strong. But you can see how a few little things of wording hit that crock brain, that pick me. Wait, why am I not good enough? Really, really strong. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what's really cool about this whole thing is if you get all the steps right, and it's really just a formula that you plug and play with, right? If you create all the steps, you do all the framing, you tell the story, you create intrigue, you do all of these things, right, and nail that hook point, what you're doing is you're actually creating something called a hot cognition, mm -hmm. okay? And what a hot cognition is, is it's that mixture of, of the sequencing of all the information and data that the lizard brain is, is now producing a response, an immediate response that can't be, you know, that can't be hit. Mm -hmm. That's why when you see people leaning in on their chair and really paying attention, that's because of a hot cognition. That's because something got triggered in their lizard brain to where they're like, wow, I really need to be paying attention to whatever's going on here. And if you got that, if you can take a boring pitch and you can get people sitting on the edge of your seat, the chances of you closing that deal for whatever it is that that deal is go up ridiculously, ridiculously. I mean, just shoot up through the roof. Um, so guys, create cog hot cognition, set up your frames properly, do all of the steps in the method, right? And you will create the interaction and the response emotionally from that lizard brain that you're looking for, okay? Uh, Section three, let's move into it. We ready for that? Yeah. So section three, he goes through a story pretty much describing. Awesome story. Um, let's not tell the whole story, through. though. Let's, I was going to say. Let's yeah, not let's not tell the whole, the whole story because it's, it's really a good story. He tells this it really was, well. This was a phenomenal way to end the book. I so, agree. You know, when we get to the end of some of these books, some of them fall off. Some of them have, you know, uh, extra little chapters at the end. They're just, you know, from the author, things like that. This was by far so the So we got to the end of this one. I was thinking... You know, I was, I, to be fair, I was a little behind on this book for a moment, and then I got to the end, and I was, okay, this is a phenomenal way to, to tie it all together. Because sometimes if you're listening to a lot in once, you know, it gets a little, it dries out a little bit. But first off, this book did a phenomenal job of taking you through it step by step in a way that was not boring. In my opinion. Would you agree on that? I totally was intrigued. And then so to give a story, because we've had other books, a lot of, um, like Make Your Bed, a lot of the military books. They tell a story, and I remember those stories being difficult. Talking about, you know, so and so with the, you know, AK forty-seven weaponry and the the, the and aircraft I, and the blood. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't follow it that well because it's not not kind of because you're I not part of the military. Me. But this was just it sounded like a guy sitting down with you telling you a story of like, look, let me tell you how I used all these together. Do you want to start it off? Sure, okay. I'll start it off. So this is a story about how he created a billion-dollar deal for a Runley and Davis. Okay, this story is incredible. And what ended up happening is that it was his group, Orrin Claff and his group from Greenberg, mm -hmm. and it was a team of six. And they, he basically got set up. This old, you know, old head finance guy mm -hmm. on this jet set him up for this deal by, like, playing all sorts of fun games with him. Push comes to shove, he jumped on with the team, and he decided to go head-to-head -head with another firm that was also uh, going after the business for this airport uh, that was called Golden Hammer. And Golden Hammer is like the big dog. Like, they're the real, real deal. Um, and basically what happened is they put each other head-to-head. -head, and they had to present in front of each other. And then the, the guy that was the buyer actually brought in a third company from France. London. London. Yeah. London. 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 To come in and, have, and, and pitch... Three pitches, back-to-back, -back in front of each other, 
for a billion-dollar deal. And basically, the story is about all of his preparation and then a rundown on the entirety of the pitches for all three companies and then the result. So we're not going to give you all that. But what we will do is give you one little piece that I really love, and it was the football piece. Okay. Okay, so the, the, what he does really well is he found his advantage. He knew that the team from London was specialized in airports, so he couldn't beat them on that. He knew that Golden Hammer had more resources, more money, and had done more deals than any of the deals that he had done combined. So he couldn't go with that. What he did instead is he built an emotional response. Mm -hmm. He created intrigue. He went into the community and understood the historical value of this runway. And he built a pitch based around emotional uh, drivers that created the emotional response in the buyer that ended up getting him getting him the bid. Mm -hmm. So what he actually did was he he lived in that town for thirty days up till the pitch while he was creating it, so he could understand that town and those people better. What he learned and discovered was that the airport was run down and beat up, had holes in the runway, had holes in the windows, right? And it was it was a World War Two. Uh, runway that was used for bombers during Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the community every, I think it was Sunday. Yeah. Something like that. They would get together right by the airfield at a big old park and play football. Now they didn't have the football thing cause they tore it down. They covered it with concrete because mm -hmm. they needed more space for the airport. So and they ended up having that concrete was an unused parking lot. Just so unused. At the end of the day where they used to all have fun and get together was completely paved for nothing, pretty much. So what he did is he pitched the emotional aspect. He pitched the community. He pitched this hallowed ground, which is what the exact words that he used, of this war relic in Davis that just needs to be done right. And what he pitched is that they were the right people for the job. They were going to go into the community and create a space with a football field for the community. They were going to bring in people from the community to support in building this airport and making it something that really resembles their home. Everyone else, on the other hand, the guys from London, all analytical, these are how we're going to build it, this we're is what we're going to do, we built a bunch of airports, take it or leave it. And Quick, I think that easy was to the, point. the biggest thing was that he understood that, look, this is a, this is a project. Everyone is going to pretty much be pitching the same stuff. The numbers are going to look identical almost for everybody. How can I be different? Like Absolutely. you said, play to the emotion. Absolutely. And what he was really playing to was, like I said, talking to the community. Um, but what else he did as well was he was talking about, like you said, hallowed ground. This is a sacred place. We need to really work. And he played that legacy as a line that you can be the one to kind of bring this community and back. we need to do it right. We need to do it right. And so he brought in, you know, pitching that, you know, you can be the one to really kind of change this community, bring it back. But what he did really well at the end as well was he brought that uh, morality frame as well, saying, you know, if we do this, we need to do it right. We want to. They wanted to build something extra, like a, like a community center or something. It was a community center, yeah. a football field. They wanted yeah. to build a community center. He's like, it's not in the original plans, but we have. let's be real, we have more than enough money to do so. If we owe it to this, this community to do something like this, this is going to go a long way. How are you not going to support this community? Exactly. And then at the end, like you said, he used that kind of prize frame being like, withdrawal. honestly, you know, if you liked everything we got, we, we did here, um, you know, we can talk, but if you don't see this and I don't think we're going to be the right fit because this is our vision for this runway and this airport. Um, and if you don't have the, the similar or aligned 
thoughts and views on this, and I don't believe we can and work it, together. And, and moreover, I, moreover, more even more than that, in his pitch, he said, "Hey, we know that all three of these teams are capable of creating this. We understand that these two competitors are phenomenal competitors that will be able to get the job done, and we are unattached to whether we get the job." But we believe so much in this community that no matter what, we want this football field incorporated, whether it's the London Group or uh, Golden Hammer that takes over this, this job. We want to make sure that this community gets back what they deserve. And if you guys want to talk to us, you guys can come meet us at our office in Los Angeles and we can continue this conversation. Yeah. He didn't say, we're going to give you a call and beta trap them like the guys from London did. The, the beta trap of, hey, you know, we're super excited to work with you guys. We're super excited to hear back from you. No. He said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We really hope that you guys are going to be able to incorporate this if we're not involved because that community deserves it. And if you want us to do the work, you get to come to us and come and pitch us on why we should come and do this work for you. Yeah, so I would say, like I said, if you haven't read this book, definitely you're really going to like this last story because, you know, we talked about some of the frames he used, but there are a lot that he started off with back-to-back-to-back in the very beginning. Absolutely. They say even though these these companies are incredibly large, incredibly powerful, you know, he made it almost like a negative, like, you know, as a smaller group, we're able to get more of the nitty-gritty of things. Absolutely. So you can always switch a lot of these dynamics. So I think that was an incredibly powerful story. I don't want to really give them any more on that story. No, we're done with the story. I, I the story is such a good story. That was a I don't want to butcher story. it. It's that was a great it's, story. It's a 25 minute, 30 minute story, guys. It's worth every second of the time. Go check it out. Um, and with, with that, let's kind of give it a nice little conclusion Some here. Final thoughts. What do you think? Well, first things first, before we do go into final thoughts, another really big thing that he wants to go over in this book at the end is like, hey, nobody knows this method. You are ahead of the curve. Yeah. But in order to achieve that level of efficiency within this method, you have to practice it. The practice. So get a friend, have them read the book, learn the language, and use the language to practice with each other. And frame and deframe, and frame and deframe, and frame and deframe. I feel like me and Ross are going to continue to do this forever. (laughs) And just set up frames and deframe each other. Because all that does is it gives you practice on using different frames to deframe each other and if your buddy already knows what he's doing, he's going to be better at framing and deframing the than the person that does it. And the best thing about these frames, too, is it's not like specific <coughs> scenarios. These are scenarios that pop up almost every day in sure. everyday life that we naturally say or talk about. So it's one of those things where, you know, you can bring these up and you're just going to be so prepared to a point where someone's going to say something and you're just going to naturally have that response and then you're going to be in a better spot and at a certain point you won't even know what's happening absolutely if you can get it to a level of almost uh, autonomy and it'll just yeah it'll just do its thing it's i mean it's going to be insane insane because it's so different than what anyone else will teach you absolutely so now let's go into final thoughts okay so guys final thoughts get a friend get two of these books and read these like this is some serious stuff if you want to be a good salesperson and you suck read this if you're a really good salesperson you want to be a better person Read this. If you already are doing billion dollar deals and you want to know more about how to do two, three, four billion dollar deals, read this book. It's really, really good, guys. Um, and I think of all the sales books I've read, like I said at the beginning of the show, it is the best sales book I have read, period. It is the most intriguing, the most nuanced, the most psychologically oriented sales book I have ever read. And um, I would read it again. 
I, yeah, I, I would agree. And we've read a lot of books. And, you know, we take a lot of time with trying to decide what book we want to read every week. We try to give you guys some diversity, you know, everything from self-help, personal development, business, accounting, finance. We try to really put a mix. Um, and this week, we weren't really sure what we wanted to, to kind of read. Um, so we always go through, we look at some of the best-selling lists to see what's out there, um, check the reviews and see if we're going to like it. Uh, we found this book, and I have to say, we've read things like Think and Grow Rich and a lot of these ones that are supposed to help you in business. This has to be, by far, the simplest book that we've read when you look at it as far as framing. It's really just, it's just framing, out. understanding a few frames, and understanding how to put them together and how it's going to put you in a better position. It was not that long, six-hour read. Um, but this was incredibly, incredibly powerful, very strong, and it's something that's easy to comprehend. It's very simple. You don't need to have a PhD in anything. I mean, you it's neuroscience, to, but nonetheless. Yeah, but, but you don't have to know the neuroscience, you know, what you're saying. You could, be, yeah. you could be a high school dropout and sure. easily pick this up. You could be a doctor and pick the. It doesn't matter. It sure. can fit just about anything because people are people. You're, you're playing to the croc brain. You're playing to the simplest part of the human brain, not the highest level, not the most advanced. It doesn't matter how smart or dumb the person you're talking to is, how smart or dumb you might be or people might think you are. You can do it and you can easily, easily succeed if you just take the time and the effort. So I would highly recommend this book. I am going to reread this one. It is hard for, for us to reread some of the books. I have we're to so say because moving so quickly. we're moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, but I am going to find time to at least just go through, you know, the, I was going to go through the again. frames again. I, wanna I just want to really understand yeah, frames. That's what I'm saying. That's I want to do the first, you know, the first section or two just to be able to understand. Cause I don't need that. I don't need the final chapter. Yeah. The story is beautiful, um, but, it's but to minutes. understand one more time of, it's like when you watch a movie and you go home and you watch on YouTube and they break it down for you and you go, Oh, same concept. Right. That's how I would describe it. So get the book. Read it, yes, learn it, use it, do it again. Yeah, this is a good one, guys. This is a really good one. Um, with that being said, I think we are going to bring it to a conclusion. I think that's it. Yeah, it's fun stuff. So, guys, I hope you really loved our uh, our episode today. Thank you so much for joining us on the channel yet again. Uh, my name is Moore Milo. I'm Rob Santorelli. This is the 52 Podcast, 52 weeks, 52 books, making every single week count. We'll catch you guys next Monday. Thank you so much for all the support. Please like, follow, subscribe, do all the things for the things. We're great at social, right? We really are. <laughs> we love you all. Have a great day. Check us out at The 52 Podcast Facebook page, The 52 Podcast on Instagram. Uh, YouTube is The 52 Podcast. Everything is at The 52 Podcast. And then if you can make it to one of those, you can find the links to get to all the podcasts on audio. So it's all available, guys. Um, thanks again for joining the channel. Have a wonderful day. Happy Monday and love you all. Take care.